Hi, I'm Jason Voss, Content Director with CFA Institute, and I have today a very special guest with me, Kamal Mustafa. Kamal has a very impressive career, which spans over 40 years in the investment business. During that time, he has headed up global M&A at Citigroup for three years. He also um, headed a $1 billion LBO fund for John Kluge. He's founded a couple of investment banks, and more recently, and I think especially interesting, uh, he is the founder and CEO of Invictus Group, which I think provides uh, one of the first legitimate alternatives to the credit ratings agencies. Kamal, welcome. Thank you for having me. Yeah, you bet. It's a, it's a real pleasure. Um, I wonder if, for the first question, you could talk about Invictus Group's method and how it differs from the traditional CRA model. Well, Invictus, we started just before the recession. I had no idea about doing stress testing. The whole concept was to look at the A in ALCO. ALCO asset liability management has become, over the last 10, 15 years, more liability management. The idea was, let's look at assets and the implications to the ALCO process. The recession hit, which we had no idea was coming. And the next thing we realized is that the regulators, recognizing that the historical Basel I, Basel II had failed completely in the market, were actually looking at the implications of stressing assets. And we got approached. Uh, we had several discussions with different regulatory agencies. We had some, quite a few bank clients. Uh, what happened with our bank clients was that as soon as we finished our runs and sent them a copy of our runs, we got a call for a meeting in practically every single case. And in every single case, they had corporate counsel there who informed us, burn the documents, we never want to see your face again. It was clear that the impact of stressing assets after the recession was very dramatic. Our clients were initially regulators, and our objective was to build a system that could show the performance of assets under different degrees of economic stress. So what I hear you saying, and I, I'm somewhat familiar, obviously, with Invictus Group, is you actually do a deep dive at the micro-micro level of individual balance sheet assets and then model out... Uh, exactly how they'll perform under various stress tests. Is that right? Pretty much that. We start a little more macro. The idea is to identify loan groups that under different economic conditions will degrade the most. Once they're identified, we get into the micro and primarily those loan groups. Right. Uh, but the system and the methodology is not static. Right. Uh, the whole concept of stress testing is sort of misunderstood in the market. It's not a loan review, it's not a deep dive into loan portfolios. It is a valuation of how these portfolios degrade under different stress conditions, and this degradation is really a function of regional characteristics, a function of the type of loan. Uh, many different factors come into it, so you need to be able to analyze them, taking their geographical footprint into account. So it's more prospective than snapshot-oriented, is that right? Very much so. Uh, snapshot-oriented is not stress testing. All it is is a, is a more detailed loan review process, mm -hmm. which does not meet the criteria for stress testing. So I wonder how you would contrast uh, what you're describing with Basel III. Um, what, what's your opinion of Basel III? Uh, Basel III is a joke. Okay, Basel III is a political animal created in Europe because the different countries were not stressing their banks well enough. Mm -hmm. It was an attempt to incorporate liquidity into the capital adequacy formula, uh, and it was really an attempt to come up with different formulae that would discourage concentration, size, and so on and so forth. 
What most people don't realize though is that the ratios inherent in Basel III are essentially ratios derived under a severely stressed scenario. Right. So Basel III is what the 27 nations, only 10 are incorporating it. They're fighting amongst themselves about who's doing it right. Uh, in the US it's facing a lot of questions and it's got a lot of evolution to go before it's practically implemented globally. So what I hear you saying is that you don't think it serves either the regulators, you don't think it serves the banks that implement it themselves, and of course then the investor, it sounds like, would be alienated as well. Yes, it will. It will not help the investors. Firstly, Basel III grew in Europe. It's a European creature. Uh, European global creature, but it grew in Europe. Right. Uh, it never contemplated the concept of a community banking system that the U.S. has. Never contemplated it. They never thought about the fact that these micro banks operate in very limited geographic territories. Concentration is a part of that type of business. So when they decided to bring it to the U.S. and slam the community banks with it, uh, the community banks had every reason to be outraged. It had no bearing to it. Now it's having its own problems in the global application, and it will have problems in the large bank application in the U.S. Yeah, I wonder if you could contrast uh, the traditional credit ratings agency process. Talk about the state of that industry, and you know, in some, in some, to some degree, that suggests exactly why you founded Invictus Group, and then contrast with Invictus. Sure. For about, and here's the most key point about the new world. From the 70s, there used to be a form called the FFABC, Form for Analyzing Bank Capital. You filled it out and it told you what your capital requirements were. What, when I say filled it out, you filled in your historical numbers and performance, it came out. You had Basel I and Basel II. That Basel I really started off with the most statistical orientation towards historical performance of assets, calculating capital adequacy. Basel II took into consideration liability issues, but more importantly, it was a con job by the big banks. The big banks convinced the regulators in, at Basel that since they were bigger and they were more sophisticated and they had larger loan volumes, they could provide more detailed historical analysis and therefore entitled to lower ratios. What's key about all those methods is they were historical. So when a regulator looked at a bank, it looked at its historical performance, signed off on it, the future was a problem the bank had to face and analyze. Rating agencies followed the same pattern and accounting followed the same pattern, historical analysis and patterns. The new world is all pro forma. The moment you go pro forma, you have some massive, massive changes. You can't use historical data because it's no longer relevant. The recession proved it. You can't really use accounting statements because they will move much slower to properly represent capital adequacy for a bank. Trouble with the rating agencies is, and uh, let me just shift, now there are several players in this marketplace. You have the investment banks, they will do anything for a short term gain, so you can't blame them for being what they are. You have the regulators who were totally shocked and are trying their best to solve the existing problem. You have the banks walking through this whole uncertainty. And then you had the rating agencies who were being paid for being the prognosticators. They missed the recession completely. And unfortunately, today, they are completely missing 
what's happening to the banking system. They have not let go of their traditional years of experience in using what are now antiquated technologies, sticking to them and making adjustments for regulatory purposes. These adjustments are wrong in most cases. They are proximate in most cases. They're not properly quantified. And frankly, the rating agencies' analyses of financial institutions are great for background reading, but from a quantitative and qualitative point of view, they're garbage. I, I wonder if you could uh, talk about the most recent uh, piece of news on the CRAs, and that is, of course, the lawsuit brought by uh, officials here in the United States uh, versus S&P. I mean, do you have an opinion on that? Are you surprised? Was it timely? Was it coming? How does it affect Invictus going forward? It was overdue. It doesn't affect Invictus directly. What it does is point out that when someone is charging you money for providing a crystal ball, then it is respon their responsibility to cover every single scenario. Their argument has been that they've gone into the third standard deviation. They couldn't have predicted that. Well, in that case, you never get fire insurance. You never get homeowner's insurance. The job of an agency that claims to do analysis is to have a crystal ball and to cover every single likely scenario, especially when the damage that is consistent with that unlikely scenario is so severe. Uh, they failed to do that, and they're still failing to do that. So talk to me about the global landscape of uh, this business. I, I know that there's quite a lot of rumbling and blowback, especially in Europe. Um, do you have an opinion about what's going on in Europe with the, st the national statistical ra ratings agencies? Uh, I'm not sure. I think the st uh, rating agencies should start publishing their data and not charging for it. Right. And the reason is that the regulatory authorities on individual countries as well as on a Basel global basis have yet to determine what capital adequacy is. Now, if you think about analyzing public institutions, inevitably it comes down to return on capital and return on equity. Banks being a regulated industry, their capital is defined by the regulators and therefore both the numerator and denominator in that calculation has changed and is uncertain. And if it is uncertain, then it is the height of arrogance to put out a report that you got to pay for when you do not have the ability to see through what is coming down the line. Kamal, I know that Moody's recently published a list of criteria um, relative to CCOV. I wonder if you could talk about your opinion of that list and maybe what the holes are, if any. Uh, it sounds great. It sounds like uh, something that a lot of banks actually have jumped on, and that is that somebody has, in a sense, tried, uh, quantified the changes in loan categories based on economic leading indicators. There's one big problem with it. And I'll give you the example. Um, and it's a bizarre example that I'm sort of trying to come up with. But let's say you were in the business of buying fruit. And you bought fruit two weeks ago, now four weeks ago, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and now you've got a pile of fruit in your, in your warehouse. And the regulator comes in and says the temperature in the next month is going to be pretty high. Now, let's assume somebody else bought all their fruit just yesterday. When the temperature goes high and they ask you how many of your fruit are going to go bad, the guy who bought the fruit recently will have much better results than you will. That's vintage. That's aging. So for somebody to presume 
that they can tell you how a loan category is going to degrade under economic conditions without considering the unique vintages associated with those loans is just as foolish. An example. It cannot do that. It is a disservice to the banks which need to look at vintage. Why vintage? Vintage defines pricing. It defines loan to asset values. It defines the loan for the balance of its life based on competitive and market conditions at the point that the loan was originated. Every portfolio consists of layers of vintage. To try and apply a formula treating each pool of loans like it was created yesterday is absolutely absurd. And therefore, that is uh, exercise in trying to sell another product uh, without thinking through the actual process of how the product should work in a stress test. It seems to me that all of finance, not just the credit ratings agencies, are in the middle of kind of a, it's a transition period. And that transition period is the old ways of doing business are still in place. And by say, when I say old ways, we're talking 70, 80 years ago, these things were put in place. In an era prior to computers, before calculators, before adding machines, people used to do these things with slide rules. And it was very time consuming. And so we have balance sheets and financial statements and all this material, which is, as you said, snapshot. Um, it's all backward looking. It sounds like there's a movement toward, hey, let's update. We're in the 21st century. We have supercomputers on our desktops, essentially. And it's time to switch to a pro forma kind of prospective world as opposed to the data, which is six to eight weeks old by the time it hits my desk. You agree with that? Well, uh, uh, it's not only just that. Let's look at math. Math is applicable when there's a steady state. Econometrics is driven by math. That's where the metrics part of econometrics come in. When you have what we had in the last recession, you cannot apply traditional techniques. You now need to, and that's why the regulators are doing stress testing. It's a public acknowledgement globally that we do not know that there's not enough information to show behavior on a broad statistical macro basis. And that's why we want to be able to do new new scenarios under stress tests. That requires a change in, in thinking, in methodology, and then the tools have to be developed to meet that change. The agencies are still going with their same old models and making adjustments to them rather than trying to change the fundamental approach. Right. So let me ask you, switch gears just a little bit. Let me ask you a question. Are, in your opinion, given the unique position that Invictus has and the transparency uh, it has into various banks' balance sheets, do you think that banks are stronger and more resilient today than they were, uh, say, circa 2009? Yes. Uh, what, uh, what happened is the recession really had three phases. And again, the agencies have sort of ignored that. Phase one was day after the recession, covenants fell apart. And this is important. Banks build protections into their loans. Uh, the uh, loans are collateralized and uncollateralized. The very day after the recession, those protections disappeared because of real estate values and performance and the recession, purely on paper. But suddenly you had unprotected loans. As those loans started to collapse, there was an immediate hit on the capital of banks. At that point, all the very weak customers were gone, banks took their lumps. Then you had the hemorrhaging of the weaker customers that took place over a year to two years, where the customers, the weak ones, died off. At that point, 
the banks had basically cleaned their system of terminally ill customers. Then the economy changed and it changed in the sense that banks now had declining net interest margins, increased competition, low demand. That put enormous pressure on their earnings. Regulators jacked up their capital requirements, so you had the inevitable return on capital issues. And unlike automotive and other industries which compete for capital with banking, banks now were facing very low returns on capital. And the prospect is not good. And when you compete for capital against other industries, it becomes even more difficult. And that's where banks are now, and that's why the models have to change from phase one of the recession to phase two, and now phase three. That is, that last change is more complex, more difficult, but extremely important. Kamal, thank you very much for being here today. Uh, my special guest today is Kamal Mustafa of Invictus Group. If you would like more information on this or any of other uh, our other CFA Institute suite of products, please go to www.cfainstitute.org. In particular, I did an interview with Kamal last April that I encourage everyone to check out, uh, and that's available via the Enterprising Investor blog. Thank you very much. Copyright 2013 CFA Institute. This program is designed to give accurate and authoritative information in regard to the subject matter covered. It is distributed with the understanding that CFA Institute is not engaged in rendering legal, accounting, tax, investment, or other expert advice. If legal advice or other expert assistance is required, the services of a competent professional should be sought.